Thanks for listening to the Velocity Church podcast. We hope that this message encourages you, inspires you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Now here's the message. Do you guys bring your Bibles? Do people do that anymore at church? Don't worry. Don't worry. If, if you don't have your Bibles, it's going to be up on the screen for you here today. I would encourage you, though, to, if you have a Bible, if you need a Bible, let us know. We'd love to get you one if you don't have one. A lot of people have their Bibles on their phones now. So they, they, you know, you got your Bible right there. But I would just say, too, that sometimes it's good just to read it out, out of the Word. You know, for me, during the week, sometimes there's distractions, all kinds of things that we get out there, and especially with our our phones and things like that. And so if you need a Bible, we'd love to give you one. But I'm excited today because we're starting a new message series in the book of James. This is one of my favorite books in all the Bible. We've done a series before, not too far in the past, in this great book of James. And so we're going to go through this again. I think it's so important and so crucial for us to, to dig into the Word of God. And to and, and in particular, in the book of James, I just want to say this is, um, James is often referred to as the Proverbs of the New Testament, and, and it's, this would be considered wisdom literature. There's so much practicality in the book of James. And so as we study this, as we read this today, there are a couple things that I want you to kind of have big picture overview mindset as we, as we dig into this day. N- number one, again, I said there's so much practicality in that, and that means James is going to say some things pretty direct. So I hope you got thick skin here today. Uh, don't get offended. I'm just, I'm just warning you, as, as, we, as we read this, as we get this, you're going to feel some things here today. That it's going to come right for you here this morning. And uh, I would just encourage you to just approach this text as a mirror, as we let it reflect back on us. Because what, what can happen so often, church, is when, when we study the Bible, we look at the Word of God like it's a window, and we automatically go, I know somebody who needs to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like, is anybody with me? Yeah. Come on now. We have an honest church here this morning. So if we're not careful, what we can do is we can go, ah, there's a lot of people that, I, I've, I've got a list of people that need to hear this this morning. Matter of fact, I'm going to send this YouTube link, you know, today. They're going to listen. Hey, I think this is a great message for so-and-so, Right. But what we want to do is, I would ask and just challenge the church as we look at this to ask ourselves some of these questions. Is, and this is one of the overarching themes in James. Is there any area in my life where I'm lacking wisdom? Again, the book of James, it's wisdom literature. There's so much godly wisdom that we gain as we study this book. And that would be a question I'd ask you here this morning. Is there any area in my life that I'm lacking some godly wisdom? And we're going to dig into that here a little bit as we continue to read and we let the Word of God just teach here today. But I want to start off James chapter 1, verse 1. And here's how the book of James opens up. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in dispersion, greetings. Now we might skip over that and move on if we're not careful, but there's so much in this right here that I want you to see. Number one, you didn't notice some of the context in this is, who, who is this James we're talking about? There's different James in Scripture. The James who wrote the book of James is often referred to as Jesus' little brother. This is the half-brother of Jesus. Now, why is that important to note? It's important to note for a lot of reasons. Number one, how does he refer to himself? 
James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. The first thing I want you to see to know is this. We learn in the Bible that James and his family didn't initially believe in his brother Jesus, that he was who he said he was. They were skeptical. The, the Bible actually says that they thought that he lost his senses. And so they gathered a meeting with Jesus because they were like, we can't believe that he's saying the things he's saying. He's making the claims he's claiming. So his own family had these questions. And why is that so important? Because later, what we learn in Scripture is that after Jesus is resurrected, he believes. That Jesus, his brother, meets him. Now you might go, okay, well, that's, that's, that's pretty cool. That, this is one piece of Scripture that a lot of historians will point back to and say, physical pr proof of the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ is that his brother who didn't believe in him, after seeing him alive, believes. He doesn't only believe, he lays his life down for that belief. James's brother will later be killed because of that belief. If anybody were to say, hey, he's not who he says he is, wouldn't you think it'd be his family? You gotta think, think about this. If Jesus was your big brother growing up, I grew up with him, you know, and it would have been tough because he always would have been right. You always would have been wrong, right? It would have been, been a little difficult. I think he's right. I think you're okay. So... So, but he's, but he, what does he, what does he call him? So initially, knowing that context, it's so important because it goes on to say, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, he calls him Lord. Lord. Not just his brother, Lord. It's so powerful. There's so much to that. He also refers to himself as a servant of God. He, what, what does he not say? I'm Jesus' brother, yo. Hey. Y'all ever, ever heard of name droppers before? You know, I remember when I, I used to play country music, and I'd go around, and I would, you know, play in these different, uh, different areas. I remember this guy in particular, I'd play in country music, and I, I, would, I would sit down with him, I'd talk to him a little bit, and I remember every time I'd have a conversation with this guy, he was going to name drop somebody just to let me know he was really important and I wasn't. Okay, uh, yeah, so, so, you know, the other day, yeah, I was, I was hanging out with so-and-so, and they always refer to him on a first-name basis because they're that tight, <laughs> you know? It's like somebody that you would know, somebody that you've heard on the radio for. I was hanging out with, uh, you know, so-and-so, so you dropped that first name in there. I don't know what you were doing, but I know what I was doing. <laughs> you know, I was with the important people. I don't know what you were up to. James doesn't do that. Did James have every reason in the world to be a name dropper? Come on. Yeah, I don't know if you. Uh, I don't know if you know my mom. She, her name's Mary. Uh, I, I, I've got. I've got a dad. You might have heard of him before. His name's Joseph. And oh yeah, I'm Little J. My brother's Big J. His name is Jesus of Nazareth. You might have heard of him before. So you might want to listen to what I'm about to say because James has. You know, James is in the building. We don't see that. Hey Sam, go ahead and play this clip really quick. Do you know who I am? No, I, I can't say that I do. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Really? People know me. Well, I'm very happy for you. I'm very important. Uh, I have many leather-bound books, and my apartment smells of rich mahogany. <laughs> now, I am in no way advocating you go watch that movie. But I am going to use it as an example here this morning. 
James had every reason in the world to be like, yo, my name's James, my brother's Jesus. You might want to listen. Could he have been very boastful? This is the big overarching idea here. And this is why this is so important, because as, as, as we start in this book and this study, one of the key things we see from the get-go is the sense of humility. James doesn't approach with arrogance. He doesn't approach with a prideful heart. He approaches in humility. I'm James, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And sometimes we just need to sit back on that and just kind of go, Wow, like what can I take away? What kind of wisdom can I gain from that? You know what would happen to our world if our world approached? If our country started approaching things with a little bit of humility? I'm going to get ahead of myself if I'm not careful, but I want to continue reading on. I just want you to know that's a really important point as we continue to study uh, this series in wisdom. And what we learn in that is humility. And so... He goes on to verse 2 as he sets this up. What does he say? Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your face, what does it produce? Steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect, complete, and lacking in nothing. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials. The first thing you need to know this morning is this, is that as Christians... We go through trials. We go through storms. We face various seasons of life. We all go through different hardships, different struggles, different seasons. Um, there, there's sometimes there's teaching out there that if you're not careful, you can get caught up in. It. It's like this idea that, oh, if you're a Christian, you're just, everything's going to always be 100%. It's just butterflies and rainbows your whole life. And I'm just going to tell you today, that's not the promise that we get. It's definitely not the promise we get as Christians, as Christ followers from Jesus, who acknowledged uh, before he goes to the cross, he's talking about peace. And what does he tell his disciples? In this world, you will have tribulation. He tells us that. One of the most beautiful things about the Bible, what I love so much about studying God's word, it doesn't sugarcoat these things. It doesn't, it doesn't like skim past it. Like, no, no, everything's just going to be fine. Everything's always going to be fine. It meets us there, right? In this world, you will have trouble. What is, it going, what is Jesus going to tell us? But be of good cheer. Because I have overcome the world. Amen. What's so powerful about that is Jesus tells his disciples that before he's even gone to the cross. Yeah. He's already overcome. Yeah. So the, the way you can, one of the ways you can be of good cheer and you can find joy is knowing that in Christ you overcome because he has already overcome. That doesn't exempt us from seasons. That doesn't exempt us from trials. That doesn't exempt us from hard times. I mean, how many of you have faced trials Right? How many of you have gone through some things? You've gone through some difficult things. I've shared time and time again in this church, and I'll continue to share his testimony, that one of, one of the first challenges that, was, that really hit us was when he found out my son Judah had autism. And as soon as we found that out, it was a, it was a challenge in our faith when we found that out initially. And I'll just tell you, it rocked us and shook us and really just got us on our knees in dependence of God. And, and let me just tell you as a testimony that I know that in difficult seasons and difficult trials that the Holy Spirit can meet you there with a peace that surpasses all understanding that will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. That there is, there is peace available in the trial. He says, Count in all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith, produce, faith produces steadfastness. Here's where it often gets confused. 
People say, count it all joy in your trials. And they go, okay, so anytime something bad happens, I'm supposed to be, woo, I'm glad that happened. Right? Yes, right? You know, you got a, you got a negative report from the doctor. And, woo, no. No. What's the count it all joy in relation to? Count it all joy when you meet trials. Verse 3, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. The testing of your faith produces steadfastness. The joy isn't just in the trial itself. The joy is in what the trial is producing in your life. That God is still working, even in a dark season, even in a challenging season, the Lord is still working something together for our good. And God is working something. He's working even in a bad, difficult, challenging situation. The Lord has not left you. He's still working. A lot of ways, God will use a season of your life to ensure that you're dependent on him, that you're fully dependent on him. And so, you know, that's why, that's why people aren't, you know, do y'all ever see the magnet on the fridge that says, count it all joy when you fall into trials? Is that the coffee mug in the morning that you're like, hey, honey, can you go grab the trials, count it all joy, coffee mug? That's really how I want to start my day today. That's typically not the one that, that you know, you go, that's not your go-to, Right. But there's so much power in understanding. We don't hide from the fact that we will go through seasons. We will go through challenges. We will face difficulty. Look at all of the disciples, all of Jesus' closest followers, and tell me we won't face trials. Jesus promises to us. He says, you may have peace, but you will have tribulation. You know why I tell you that today? Because I love you. And, and the worst thing we could do is give you some false hope that life, you're never going to face anything ever. You're never going to, as long as you're Christian, you're never going to go through it. Jesus promises us we will, but he tells us that we can have joy in the season, in the testing of our faith. It's producing something in your life that we can have joy. The Bible says rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. You and I have something to rejoice about. He goes on in verse 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man and unstable in all his ways. This is where our world is lacking. Okay, this is, our world has an abundance of knowledge and, and we, we have a scarcity in godly wisdom. Amen. You can have all of the knowledge in the world. You can have all the knowledge. There's nothing wrong. Listen to me. There's nothing wrong with knowledge. Let me just make this clear. We need knowledge. Nothing wrong with knowledge. But what I want you to see today is knowledge does not equate wisdom. You can have all the knowledge in the world. You can have all the understanding in a certain subject. You can have all this knowledge. You can go to school. You can get all these degrees. You can gain a lot of knowledge at university and still leave a fool apart from godly wisdom. Godly wisdom is imparted by the Holy Spirit. That's where wisdom comes from. And so we, we live in a world that is drastically 
in need of some godly wisdom. And how many of you know that Satan wants to exalt ungodliness? He wants to exalt ungodliness and he wants to diminish, attack, and destroy any kind of godly wisdom. Sam, go ahead and if you have it, Proverbs chapter 11. Could you put that up on the screen? This, this, this spoke to me. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. Humility and wisdom go hand in hand. With pride, it comes disgrace. Here's the picture I want you to see here today. If there's areas in our life where we're lacking wisdom, it's probably an area we need to demonstrate some humility. Amen. A leading indicator to, lack, to, to pride in our lives is a lack of wisdom in that area. If, there, if, if there's areas in our life that are like, yeah, I'm, this is an area I'm lacking wisdom, the leading indicator to that is there could be some pride in our heart that's preventing us from truly understanding that and making changes. Because when you ask yourself this question, what areas in my life am I lacking wisdom? Now, everybody wants to talk about everybody else's areas. I know where they're lacking wisdom. I know. But what about when you internalize that? See, here today, we could talk about other people. We could spend time thinking about other people. That's not the concern. The concern is for us to ask ourselves, what area, Lord, am I lacking wisdom in my life? What areas am I lacking wisdom? And then when you ask yourself that question, you got to get honest with yourself and say, okay, I can either do something about that I can, I can say, I want to make changes. I, oh Lord, I want the Holy Spirit to impart this wisdom in my life. Or I can continue living on, doing the same thing over and over again. What's at the root of someone who knows there's an area that needs to change, but I'm not going to make the change? It's pride. It's pride. We live in a world that celebrates, honors, glorifies pride. Let me tell you today, God doesn't. Our God does not honor, celebrate pride. Our world diminishes humility. I mean, listen, it's a weakness in the eyes of our world. Being humble, humility, it's a weakness. When we're talking about having godly wisdom for decisions in our life, we're talking about godly wisdom, wisdom that comes from, from God. It's tied to humility. So, so here's the question here this morning. What are some areas in our life that we need to start demonstrating some humility in? And that's what counters the pride. That's what counters the spirit of pride. you got to be careful of the spirit of pride. Pride turns into a critical spirit, hypercritical, hypercriticism. I've met many people in my life. At times, listen, I've been there myself, hypercritical about things. There's such a thing as constructive criticism. There's also such a thing as hypercritical spirit where all we see is the fault in everyone else. I don't know why y'all do it that way. I don't know why you, I don't, I don't like that. I think that's wrong. I don't like, I don't like how the church sings those songs, right? I think it's, 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 you know, the lights, ah, what are y'all doing? I don't like that. Turn them on, leave them on. It's too cold in here. It's too hot in here. You know, that, that communion this morning, it tasted different. You know, there's all things I've heard. I mean, listen, I, a hyper, hyper, we can all be hypercritical. What are we doing? Then we got to be careful. We go around telling other people our, our hypercriticisms. Then it turns from just pride and hypercriticism. So now I'm going to go spread that. And then it turns into slander and gossip. So be careful. You don't have a spirit of pride. 
That goes for each and every one of us. God, is there any pride in my life? Is there anything prideful about my heart, Lord? Are there any areas in my life where I need to demonstrate some humility? We've got to get to a place, church, here this morning where we recognize that and we internalize that and we ask ourselves that. Makes us a little uncomfortable. It's a little quiet in here, just a little bit, and that's good. That's okay. Some of y'all are getting offended this morning, but you know, it's, I pray that you don't. But listen, we, we've got to get honest with ourselves. We've got to get real with ourselves, and we've got to ask the question, like, is there any pride? Is there anything in me, Lord, that you don't, you don't want there? We counter that with humility. How can I demonstrate humility? What are some things we can do to demonstrate humility? How can I do this? He goes on to say in verse 9, Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation, the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass, its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Okay, so what is he talking about there? He, we're talking in the context of joy, right? We're talking about joy, finding joy in the Lord. Be of good cheer. Count it all joy when you fall in trials, in the season of trials and tribulation in your life. And then James kind of turns. He starts talking about, hey, in the end, all that stuff is going to burn. It's kind of what he's saying. It's going to scorch in the heat. So what's the picture and what's the point here? We don't find joy in our stuff. That's the, that's the picture here in, in verse, verse 9. Verses 9 through 11. So he's saying, in the end, what is he saying? In the end, it's all going to go. It's all going to fade away. It's all going to wither away. All our stuff. All the things in the world. Now, we have a world with a materialism problem. So let's bring this into the culture context today. Okay? What is materialism? It's being in love with your stuff is essentially what it is. It's like, I like my stuff. I like it a lot. Now, we, sometimes we find some joy in stuff, but the, the, the issue is, is, is when it's like, I don't just own stuff, but stuff owns me. Uh, I, I don't just find joy in stuff, but it's like, you know, it, it, I, don't, I don't just have stuff, but it has me, right? And that's, that's the balance here. But James is saying, at the end of the day, like, let, let's, let's keep the focus, let's keep the focus, right? It's not all about the stuff. We have a world that's all about stuff. That's what Facebook and Instagram are for. It's to show all your stuff, right? You know, look at my stuff. I got, you know, here's my stuff. I like my stuff. Your joy doesn't come from your stuff. It's anchored in something else, right? And that's the key. If we're not careful, we can start finding and anchoring our joy in our stuff, right? I can tell you right now, there have been things in my life where like, I'm like, you know what? I really, I'm going to be so happy when I get that. I'll be happy. This is going to be so awesome. And then, and then I work to get it, and I get it, and then I'm like, eh, okay. Well, that was cool, but it wasn't like, you know, it's not bringing the satisfaction, the true fulfillment. That's like, woo, it's not the thing that gets me up in the morning, you know, because true joy isn't found in that stuff. It's not, it's not found in materialism. It's all going to burn in the end. Don't anchor yourself to something that's going to wither away. Don't anchor yourself to something that's a sinking ship. You're not taking it with you when you leave here. It's going to all burn in the end is what the Bible says. It's going to scorch. So materialism is dumb. Don't do it. That's the key, okay? It just is. I could sit here and speak in eloquence to you about it. I'm just going to tell you straight up what it is. 
There, there's no real purpose for it. Now, let me give you the ditches and the balance here. Because here's what some people will do. Okay, you've got the prosperity gospel. It's often referred to on this side. And then you've got the poverty gospel on this side. On the prosperity gospel side, what do we hear? Right? Well, as long as you, you rub that genie lamp just right and your faith connects with heaven, then God is ultimately obligated to do whatever you want at any given time. And he's going to just drop it. If you want to become a millionaire, then buddy, you know, just pray hard enough and God's going to make it happen. That's, that's one extreme. Other extreme is poverty gospel. Listen, if you got anything, you're not homeless and broke for Jesus you know, then, then you're not doing it right. That's the other extreme. Let me tell you something about this church. We, we tend to not stick to extremes, one extreme or the other, but somewhere in the middle. Here's the truth. Let me give you the balance here this morning. Is our God a God of abundance? Is our God a God who will bless? Is our God a God who will pour out blessing on your life? Yes. Does God want us to enjoy some faithfulness and blessing that he would give in our faithfulness in our life? Yes. Does God want us to be attached to our stuff? No. Look at us. We don't get to the extremes. You don't have anything, you know. Sell it all and just get rid of it all. You know, then, then go live under your bridge with your kids so they'll grow up hating church and hating the things of God. Like I've seen this in churches before. I've seen people with a poverty gospel mentality where they're like, you know what, we can't even order a full 12-inch Subway sandwich because we could have sent the other six inches across you know, to another country, and they could have enjoyed it. And then on the other extreme, it's like, hey, if, if you're not rolling it down because you didn't ask, the, the, you know, the right way, you didn't pray, you didn't obligate God to do something for you a certain way, then you must be missing it also. The truth is this, is that our God is a God of abundance. He's a God who blesses. He's a God who's generous. He's a God who will meet all of our needs. But, but he, he doesn't want us to become attached to things. And what James is telling us here, this picture is don't get attached to stuff because your joy isn't found in it. Your joy is found in him. Ultimately, that is where we anchor our joy. Our joy is anchored in Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. Your joy is anchored in knowing as a Christian, as a Christ follower, that your eternity is secure in Jesus. Amen. Your eternity is secure in him. That's where we find our joy. So count it all joy. So this is what I want to say here this morning as we get ready to, to close out. Is First off, let me say this. Some of you are here today and you're going through trials and seasons in your life. You're facing difficulties. You're facing challenges. Maybe you're, you're in a storm right now in your life. Maybe you are in the middle of a battle in the spirit. You're, you're in a battle right now. You're you're going through something challenging. Let me just tell you first off that as one of the pastors here, I'm sorry you're going through whatever you're going through. And let me just tell you also that I, I wish that I could tell you that it just, it just all vanishes, that when you become born again, that you don't ever have to face these things. But what I can tell you and what I can encourage you in is that the Lord is with you. He is close to you. He is close to the brokenhearted, that no matter how difficult the storm is in your life, that he can bring a peace that surpasses all understanding, that will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, that no matter what the situation is, no matter what the trial is here today, uh, no matter what the storm is, that he'll meet you right there. 
that our God is not a God who's up in heaven looking down at you like, ha, hey, how do you like that? He, he's not that way. He's not up in heaven with a fly swatter ready to, to smack you around every time you, you make a mistake. No, he's a loving, merciful, gracious God who will meet you right here and now. He'll meet you right here. Now, I want to pray for you here this morning. If you'd bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to pray for those in here today who maybe you're going through a storm in your life. You're going through, maybe, maybe it's not even a big, massive trial. Maybe it's not a, a, you know, something incredibly huge. But you're going through a season right now of difficulty. And I just, I want to pray that the Holy Spirit in this season in your life would impart some wisdom in your life and all of our lives as we continue through that we would know that he's close to us. And so, Father God, I just lift up your church here today, Lord. God, I don't know all the things people are facing, all the battles people are going through, all the storms that they're dealing with, Lord, but I know that you're you're right there with us, God. I know that you're a good God. And even in the midst of tragedy, God, you're still good. You're still good. God, I ask that you would just Make yourself known to us, Lord, that your spirit would be made known to us, Father. And I ask that right here and right now, Lord, no matter what it is, no matter what the battle is, no matter what the season is, God, that we would know that you're right there. You're close. You're close to us, Father. I pray that we would regain some joy, Lord, for people who have lost joy in their life, people who have lost a sense of where their joy comes from, Lord. I I pray that we would regain a, a renewed joy in the Lord. That we know that ultimately, God, you are more than enough, God. You are more than enough, Father. This morning, if you're here today and you want to accept Christ into your life, I want to give you that opportunity here today. I'm going to pray a prayer here in just a moment. And if, if you say today, you know what? The first step I need to take is accepting Jesus. I've been a skeptic. I haven't, I haven't fully given him my life. If that's you here today, you can accept Jesus today. You can experience this joy in the Lord. So church, I want everybody to pray this prayer. If you're here this morning, you want to accept Christ into your life, pray this prayer out loud with us. The Bible says how you're saved is Romans, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you believe that he died and rose again. You believe you put your faith and trust in him. You turn from your old ways. You repent of your sin. That heaven will be your home. That you'll be saved. You'll be secure in Christ Jesus. I believe some of you could be here today just for this decision right here and right now. So church, let's pray this out loud together, you included. Say this with me. Father, I know I've sinned. I know I've fallen short. Today is a new day. Jesus, I ask come into my life. Make me whole again. I repent of my sins. I repent of my old ways. And today, I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, look up at me. Can you give God praise in here this morning? And Thanks for listening today. To stay connected, visit us online at velocityburnham.org and follow us on Instagram. And if you're ever in the Burnham area, we'd love to have you visit us on a weekend. Thanks again, and we hope to see you soon.